Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, I really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Well, hello. (laughs) (laughs) What up, though? Uh, Hi, I'm in this room right now. Yeah, I see. Can, Can I just say, you know, what an update for not having anything. For those who, you know, aren't here, which is everyone. Uh, Lynch did not have an update prepared. That was so. full no script, by the way. I, man, I, so good job, man. You had to fill like the whole, was it 45 seconds? That was a minute and a half. And I, I was just kind of going and I, that was shorter than my update probably would have been normally, but I was just kind of riffing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, talking about everything that you know, for sure. That yes. Happened. So Preston, who's filling in today for Jesse is on his way in. I, uh, I woke him up. I'm imagining <laughs> with my phone calls. It's, it's easy to forget about us. It is. It's early on Sunday morning, and I believe he was here a little bit late yesterday because of some doubleheader Ducks baseball over on nine ten. So I forgive him. He'll be in here as soon as he can. But we got in here, and he wasn't here. So I was like, oh, you know, let me call Preston. Didn't pick up. And I was like, well, Rashad doesn't know how to do this side. At least this is my regular job. So I will scoot on over here and... You went, did you even, you even have an update? I went, no, I don't have an update ready. Yeah, no, I was thinking maybe you say some stuff from Friday. I, I wonder who will even notice. Oh, if I like pulled up my Friday update. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did forget one thing I could have talked about, but I wasn't on my game quite yet was the, uh, the, the Blazer game today against the Nuggets. I should have previewed that too. Pretty big game. I know. Yeah. So I went final four, which I watched yesterday and I knew what happened. And then I very quickly after saying final four clicked on ESPN on the computer and just saw top headline UNESCO returns. And I'm like, perfect. That's a new story that's relevant for us in the Northwest. So and you watched you both Final Four games yesterday? Uh, not in full, but I watched both, yes. I tried. I really did. Like that. There were uh, good games. The Texas Tech. They were uh, close games, uh, I guess is it, a better way to put Texas it. Texas Tech, Virginia? Was that who they were playing? Who <laughs> no. they playing? Texas Tech, Michigan State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michigan State. Which the, the one, the point guard that kind of looks like Bonzi Wells. Cassius Winston. Yeah. I'm not sure. He kind of looks like Bonzi Wells a little bit. Headband. You know, On Michigan a, State, you're talking about? Kind of wormy yeah, face a little, and everything a little bit, like that. A little yeah, bit. But he was, he was nice for some of the game that, that I actually saw. But yeah, Texas Tech put it on him. But it was just a, it's, it's college basketball. So. I think it was a little little tougher well, to watch most of it. Let's not talk too much about that yet. I do want to actually spend some time on it because it was the biggest thing that happened this weekend in sports. Well, actually, it's probably the second biggest thing, and I want to let you talk about the biggest thing here in the first segment. WrestleMania. Yes, because I know nothing about it, so I want you to give me a little – I'm not going to watch it, but I want a primer anyway. I was right. I was, that, was, that was the right answer. Yes. Wow, okay. I mean – Really? Am I wrong? That is the biggest thing in sports this weekend, even that more than the, the Final Four. Did you know that, like, WrestleMania is – as far as sporting events, and I saw this on John Oliver the other night, which he did a, a, a brilliant uh, set about WWE uh, this past Sunday night. But it's like the fifth um, fifth rated sports event in, in the world. I'm not surprised. And like ahead of the World Series, ahead of the NBA Finals, like more people watch WrestleMania than either one of those two things. That's crazy. I am not surprised. It is a sport that I understand has a lot of viewership behind it. 
but it's just never one that grabbed me after I was not allowed to watch it as a kid. So that was always the thing is I wanted to watch wrestling and my parents thought it was too violent. So they said, no, it was, it was super violent. And uh, then I guess I got to a point where I probably could have watched it. But by that point I hadn't been watching it for seven years and I just didn't care anymore. So last night was the, uh, the, well, I think it was last night. It might've been recorded Friday. Don't know. But there was the WWF's or WWE's Hall of Fame ceremony. Okay. And uh, Bret Hart is up there and accepting his induction for uh, the Hart Foundation. And some fan rushed in the ring and tackled him. And the wrestlers proceeded to beat the holy hell out of this dude really? before he was carried out. It was cra- it was the, one of the craziest things I've seen. Some oh, guy, I did see a clip of that. Yeah. There some, was a, I, I didn't know what was going on, but I saw the podium. In the ring? Was it in the ring? Yeah, the, the podium was in the ring, which was a pretty cool setup, different from what they had been doing. But it was the craziest thing in the world. Like, every wrestler that was sitting within the first four rows kind of got in the ring and just proceeded to wail on this dude. He jumped in the ring with, like, a Jamaican uh, hat with dreads that hung out from him and everything. It was you know pretty egregious, but he deserved to get his ass whooped just based on that hat. So, <laughs> I mean, but it, it, was, it was pretty cool to see all those guys kind of jump in at one time and kind of protect their protect their guy so i wanted to give rashad a chance before we got into the other sports stuff to talk about wrestlemania because i know you're going to watch it it's what eight hours long or something crazy it just gets longer and oh that's what she said the <laughs> but um uh i don't know anything about it i know it's like the super bowl of wrestling just for those of us out there including myself who don't know anything who are the biggest wrestlers right now who's the headline event right What's is it? What's the big deal about it? Pretty groundbreaking this year, so I'd be you know. Oh, why is it groundbreaking? Well, this will be the first year that women will headline WrestleMania, which has never ever ever happened. Really, uh, just about two years ago, and we'll get get to this later. But the women were like an afterthought, you know. So forty-five second matches and stuff on TV. So things have definitely changed, and that's a huge, huge part of it. Okay, so who's Tell me who's oh. the headliners. What's go- I'm, uh, I'm just asking. Oh, look. we're doing that now. Okay, well, that's cool. what I'm saying. I yeah. want this to be the opening the segment. Absolutely, because I know we're going to get into Final Four and Blazers and other stuff in sports, and I know that I'm going to forget to bring up WrestleMania because you want to talk about it. So I'm giving you the opening segment. Well, I appreciate that. Lynch. Yeah. Well, uh, another significant reason why this WrestleMania is kind of important uh, as a black guy, like you very you never see a black world champion in WWF. The first person people will point to is The Rock. But the truth is, The Rock has had blue-eyed, blonde-haired babies in his movies. So he's what we call racially ambiguous. You don't really know what The Rock is. You know, I mean, you know that he's Samoan and stuff now, especially because of the big tattoo. But there was a point that nobody really knew, you know, what The Rock was. And so that's kind of a good thing. But as a dark-skinned man, you know, for me, watching wrestling since I was a young kid, all the characters have always been these clowns. Coco Beware and his bird and... There was really a group called Crime Time, you know, a bunch of dudes that would just rob you and then sell the stuff that they, you know, that they robbed from you. This is, these were the these were the characters that we got to see. Our Truth, the guy that comes out there and raps and dances and shucks and jives and does the splits. There's never been like you know a room for a black champion in most cases. Well, this will be the first time that possibly WWE will write the ship and make a, a black champion. So. That's also that's going to be in the main event, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan, who's from the Northwest, right, uh, in Aberdeen. So oh, okay. Just up the road here, so that's going to be a big deal. But uh, just those two matches alone are really what the the fans want to see, and I think really Ronda Rousey is in the cha- is in the main event for the women. Uh, so I think that's going to be a, a huge, huge draw. But it should be it should be fun. How has Ronda Rousey been doing in in WWE? Because I know that she disappeared once she stopped winning. 
on the MMA side. And then I, I heard the story of that she joined. And of course, I think she won her first match or something because she was Ronda Rousey. But what, what's how's she been doing? That's the, that's one of the few things that actually intrigues me. When you make the switch from actual fighting to WWE, what what happens to that person? Because uh, she, I, I didn't think she had the best personality. She she doesn't, and she struggles with it. And I think there are a lot of wrestling fans are very smart There's nerds. You know, there's so they're they're very very smart. And one thing they don't like to do is, you know, see other people that have been here and working hard kind of. Uh, get pushed the back burner for somebody who just kind of started. So there's a lot of resentment towards her right now among fans. So I think it's kind of wearing on her because she's so used to being liked. And so it's it's been one of those things you can visibly see, like, yeah, she's not having fun doing this thing. So it's going well. She has skill, but, you know, she's – it's – So, I mean, do, is she given the benefit of the doubt in terms of the matches and stuff because she's Ronda Rousey? No, or or are they good. saying – She's good, but it's because – do they she's, make her kind of go through some downs before she gets any wins? No, she came in and immediately won okay. and just kind of ran through people, which would make sense because being real, Ronda Rousey whooped any one of, the, any one of those women's ass in real life. So, yes, you're going to come there to, you know, scripted wrestling and go ahead and, and run through whoever you want to. But there is some resentment among the fans. The, all the, the other people kind of love her, but fans are weird. But, yeah, no. All right. Yeah. Well, there this you go. Fun. My son's excited. I don't really, you know – uh, somebody says, uh, was Booker T, or Booker T, uh, intercontinental champion or heavyweight champion? He was, but here's the kicker. When WWE or WWF bought WCW, they retained everything WCW had, including their championship belt. And so when Booker T, who's one of the few black people actually hold a, a championship or a world championship, won it, it was never a WWE championship. It was the world heavyweight championship, which everyone knew came from WCW. So they've yet to have a black champion not named Dwayne Johnson. Cool. Well, so, there, there's a little WrestleMania talk for you. you. Go. I just wanted to, I know Rashad's big into it. I know a lot of people out there are big into it. So I wanted to give a little love to the biggest sporting event of the weekend, which is happening today for way too long later today. That's the one thing. Cut the length. WWE, you don't need to make it eight hours long. They really don't. And I really hope it's not because I have stuff to do in the morning. And they're, and they also <laughs> have a bunch from what I can, what I've heard, they have a bunch of kind of iffy matches in between where you just kind of zone in and out and then only come back for the big one. So yeah, maybe so. just make it a little bit more short and intense for everybody. All right. Let's get to uh, some of the other sports going on. I want to talk about the final four. We're going to yes. start with that next. We have our championship game, which is coming up on Monday. I would like to talk about the Blazers who fell to the Nuggets in a game that, although maybe not the most important, did uh, hurt their chances at climbing even higher in the standings. They do play them again tonight. We'll be talking about that. Plus a whole lot more. I might want to get to a little bit of baseball contract talk. I don't want to dive too much into specifically baseball, but I'm curious what Rashad thinks about what's going on with the contracts at the moment. That might be coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. When Preston gets here, he'll do hate it or love it at 1030. Better You Today text line is 55305, and you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 and Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Next, though, Final Four yesterday. Two good games but was the quality of the basketball good enough to keep you entertained? That's next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, yesterday was the final 
four. You had Virginia, the top seed, beating five seed Auburn, 63-62. And you had three seed Texas Tech beating two seed Michigan State, 61-51, the final score. for this. So the championship game is on Monday. That's tomorrow between Virginia and Texas Tech. Now, both games were good games in terms of they were close. They were back and forth throughout much of the game. I guess in terms of what is generally considered a good game, I would call them a good game. But I know a lot of people out there tend to view the quality of college basketball as incredibly subpar compared to the NBA. Rashad, you might be one of those people. I love college basketball. I really do. It's it's one of my favorite sports. It, it's something that I, I've, I've enjoyed since I went to Syracuse, and because it was a big deal there, I'm sure there's some nostalgia there with it, but I, I do enjoy the sport quite a bit. I watch it all year long. And I get that argument that the quality of basketball just isn't quite as good anymore. But I guess, are you willing to overlook that since we've been getting a lot of really good tight at the end games in the tournament at the end here? Since the Sweet 16 began, we had a ton of really quality finishes, close games, last second shots. Are you willing to overlook, I guess, your, your I'm assuming, opinion of the game not being quite as good? Am I over, willing to overlook the like the lowest scoring first half in, in Final Four history or something like that? Wasn't that somewhere... Was that the Texas Tech game? The Texas Tech twenty three twenty one. Yeah, like no. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, good again, defense, right? It's, I mean, it's great defense, but I mean, where's the offense? And I think I mean that there has to be more than just great defense. Now you're looking at two teams, or at least uh, with Michigan State, who that's you know they they just kind of pound you. That's kind of always what Tom Izzo's been able to do is just pound the hell out of you. But I don't know. That's it's not as fun to watch. It's like. The San Antonio Spurs got this for a long time. Well, defensively and defensively, they're good. They're just not fun to watch. Like the Spurs have never been fun to watch. You know, even when they had Kawhi Leonard, they, and I think that's that defense. It's a great thing, and you know it. But when your team is based all based around defense, and uh, I know Virginia defense is kind of you know what they do. Schools like Villanova defense is what they do. Michigan State's no different. But as a viewer, it's boring. But if you know, as a player, you know you love it because you want to see. You want to see your team win, and defense is how you make that happen. But, so, you're, so you're saying the good finishes didn't have any effect on your it was, enjoyment of the game? Not, not really. When I mean, when the good finishes are, you know, sixty-one, fifty-one. Well, I'm, ta- I'm talking more about Auburn. The Auburn Virginia. game. I mean, yeah, that was a good 62, finish. Sixty-two, sixty-three. Just, yeah. just a very kind of low-scoring, grinded-out type game. So, yeah, it's great finish, but it's like the usual suspects. You're you're watching this long, dry movie for three hours for possibly the best four minutes in cinema history you know so i yeah look i i i try to to be a little bit more positive about it because i like the sport a lot but i understand where you're coming from the the quality of offense is not very good at this point there are only so many great players in the game anymore and they lost three of them were on duke and they lost uh to michigan state so they they were not in the final four which i'm sure would have attracted a lot more buzz the the thing that I, I try to do when I watch these games, and if look, th- this this final is going to be low scoring because you've got Texas Tech, who has looked like the best defense in the tournament, and Virginia, who has the last few years had one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, I saw a lot of jokes on Twitter yesterday, and I agree with them. It's first to 40, first to 50 in the, in the tournament, in the championship final. That's going to suck for optics. But what I will say is if you're going to watch it, and you might because it's a championship game, try to enjoy the little things that are good about it. The fact that they all try hard on defense all the time. 
And that means that you're going to have a lot of really low-scoring games because they're actually good defenses in college basketball. Enjoy some of the good players on each team because they, they both have them. Uh, Culver, Jarrett Culver on Texas Tech is really good. I think he's going to be the best player on the floor. He was not good against Michigan State, but he did hit a big three at the end of that game. And then you've got a couple of guys on Virginia. you got Kyle Guy, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the country. you got uh, Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter, who are both really good. So you've got a lot of talent, which will likely, at least in maybe DeAndre Hunter's case and, and also Culver's case, be NBA players in the future. You got guys that you could that you could look at and say, "Hey, how's this guy going to pan out in the next level?" You, you know, I'm, I'm I'm talking solely to the people who don't love college basketball because you're going to watch the game. I'm assuming, you know, look for that. So look for the solid defense. Understand that some of the guys aren't the best shooters in the world, and then look for some of the NBA players because it's going to be a low scoring game. It'll probably be close, so it'll be intense, but it'll be a low scoring game. No, yeah, I mean, I I, supp- I suppose like I, I just, it's it's almost kind of like watching a lot of high school basketball. And there are only so many high school games that I would actually kind of go to. I would definitely go see a Gene Potter coach team because they, they know how to play, you know, all the way through. Uh, I would go watch Pat Strickland and his demos play. There, there's, there's some teams that I would actually go see, but it's, it's, a, it's a different brand of, of basketball. And so, so what, what would it take for it to I think, be I think, better for you then? I'll be honest. If, Did you like it? I'm not, I'm not a huge Duke fan. You know okay. what I'm saying? I think just – Growing up, you know, in, in most of our neighborhoods, we just, we just kind of hate Duke. It's like a, you know, I, and, and I, I totally get that. But if Duke were there, I would be more inclined to watch. You know, if if there were more star power as far as the students that are playing. Like, I think when I was watching the Final Four, when I was really interested in the national championship, I was watching Mike Bibby and Miles Simon and, and some guys that really had, man, these, these, these awesome college players. You know, Rasheed Wallace and some of those dudes, like, who are these people prior to now? the one and yeah. done rule? Yeah. Prior, well, prior to the one and done rule. Absolutely. But I mean, the one and done rule is definitely hurt. It's helped the NBA, I guess, but it's, you know, I don't think it's, it's even helped the NBA. Like, Cause you, you get, you get special players in the one and done. Yes. There, you get a lot of, you know, but you know, Derek Rose before the knee injury was a special player. LeBron, right. You know, like, but you get a lot, dudes. you get a lot of guys who aren't ready, who just flame out. No, as well. And that's, you know what? That's a GM issue. I don't know. We blame a lot of this on the kids and a lot of this on college, but that's a GM issue. Like, nobody told you to take some of these guys that you end up taking, but because he's going to be a project, like, okay, you know, just go ahead and take, you know, this guy with the 11th pick that can't do anything, that didn't really start on his college team. Go for it. Great idea. I wanted to also give you a little bit of a, a note about the Texas Tech head coach, Chris Beard. What he's done has been nothing short of sensational. So his first top division, Division One job, was in 2015-16 with Arkansas Little Rock. He had been an assistant until 2012. He took, uh, I believe it's like an NAIA job or a really low job, was there for one year, then took a Division II job, was there for two years, then went to Arkansas Little Rock. First season there went 30-5 and and as a 12-seed or 13-seed won their first round in the tournament. In his first year at a Division I school, he immediately got the Texas Tech job, immediately. And since then, first year was a little rough, right? It usually is for a coach when we do a Recruiting Division One school. And whatnot, of course. Second year, 27 and 10, Elite Eight. This year, 31 and 6, his third year, championship game. So, Talk about a guy who out of nowhere turned into one of the best head coaches in the country. No, I absolutely. If you haven't listened to his interviews, like he, he's one of a kind. Like he's, uh, he's going to be one of those coaches that. You know, if he continues to have some success at Texas Tech, which it looks like he's going to, 
Uh, look for a lot of schools to start poaching him and also look for him to be one of those names that NBA guys or NBA franchises are going to start trying to talk to because he's the player. His players absolutely love him. I've, I've every interview I've seen, you know, you get to the final four in the elite eight, they start the interview circuit and, you know, he's interviewed by every single outlet that there is. And so I've heard a lot of his uh, interviews on other, other radio shows and on TV and man, this, this guy, he gets it. He gets how to coach. He gets what is his what his students' um, strengths and weaknesses are, and he knows how to exploit them. Like he's a he's a great coach, and that record that I didn't even know about his record, but that record kind of shows exactly why. It's it's interesting because you don't see this very often anymore in college basketball, where a guy is just like, "Hey, I'm amazing. I'm here. Let's go." Usually, it takes some time. Usually, he spends a lot of years. I don't want to say toiling, but struggling. You know, just well, trying to trying to figure it out. I think he spends a lot of years at smaller schools, right? kind of bouncing around, maybe getting them to the tournament once or twice, and it's good, but they usually lose because they're a lower seed or something like that. But to just have this this ascension, I think a lot of it is based on this defense. If you watch Texas Tech play, they play a really active, kind of interesting defense that you don't see in college basketball very much, and they're always on you. They're always right there contesting every single shot. It is very rare that they don't do that. And if you have enough offense with a defense like that in the tournament, you'll be able to get pretty far just like Virginia has as well. For the first time, they actually have a good offense with their good defense, and they've made it to the championship game with a little bit of luck. You kind of have that at this point of the year. But I, I would say keep an eye out for Chris Beard in a year or two to go to one of the big, big, big schools in the country. It's, I, I think it's going to happen. You know, I mean, I'm surprised UCLA didn't go after him this year. And They're getting Jamie Dixon, but who used to be Pitt and was TCU this past year, or at least that's what I saw reported. But, I mean – you go get a guy like Chris Beard, and I think you're going to be in a good situation. I mean, I, it's not going to hurt. And as bad as the Pac-12 has been, uh, it wouldn't shock me if a lot of teams start kind of looking that way, especially if he has another season similar to what he's had the past couple ones. And uh, I'm pulling for Virginia because if Virginia wins, and I think I win my bracket pool. Cool. Uh, I'm so, yeah. pulling for Texas Tech uh, only because um, I like the uh, – what's the uh, – the Jared Cul uh, Culver. I like him. I, I think he's long. I think he's athletic. I think he's going to be a good NBA player. Promise me you'll watch the game on Monday. I will watch some of the game on Monday, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will watch the beginning of the game. It's a championship game. Come on. It is. Come but, on. I mean, I'll watch, I'll watch some of the game. Come on. Well, you know, it's also, know. Okay, okay. It's also it. the Raw after WrestleMania, man, so we'll see. Oh, really? Is that a big deal, too? It's a pretty big deal. All right. Uh, coming up next, let's move on to the Blazers. They fell to the Nuggets on Friday. They play them once again today. A couple of things we want to get to about that, including the likely now matchup with the Utah Jazz in the first round and whether or not the Blazers will regret resting some of their players. That's coming up next. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine thirty-one. I'm back in the regular chairs. Preston has arrived for his uh, good morning. Good morning, What's up, bro. I made it. Yeah, that was my bad. I, I, you know, I did set the alarm. I really did, and I just snoozed right through man, it. Man, listen, you don't got to apologize to us. <laughs> this is, you know, look outside, man. This is this is what Lynch and I deal with. Now it's not raining at the moment, right? But this is what Lynch and I it was deal pretty with gloomy on a coming in today. daily basis up until summertime. So. Don't worry, no, no, no I, hard well, feelings. Man. I saw, I saw the text from Jesse. Hey, by the way, got, got, got Preston to fill in for me tomorrow. We're like, okay, cool. And then I saw your last email after your long day here yesterday at like eleven thirty at night. Yeah. And in the back of my head, I went, uh oh. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I was here. I was here so they moved Oregon baseball on nine ten. It was supposed to be a game today, but they moved it 
to yesterday to make a doubleheader because they were anticipating rain. So I was in that 910 studio, that little nook over there for a good nine hours. I, w- oh. I, would, I was driving myself crazy. I'd sprint to the back room, shoot some hoops, come back. Yeah, that is take uh, some breaks. That That is, I remember that from starting yeah. in radio as well. My oh, yeah. first year doing a lot of two or three game sessions of just sitting in one room. But see, here's the thing. When I started, we would run games for 910 out of Prod 3. Oh, oh wow. So yeah. imagine sitting in there for... Yeah. There's no window. Yeah, so for those... There's obviously, no for, those, for those who don't know... Prod 3 is one of the smallest production rooms we have in the building, probably like the third smallest. And we that's kind of the fans' room that we just get audio in and record spots and stuff. But we used to run 910 out of there, and you would sit there with no TV, no window, and really bad cell phone service for eight hours at a time doing games. And the, we used to have this program on the computer that would be a cable box attachment, but it never worked correctly. <laughs> so you're watching really laggy TV, just trying to keep yourself interested. At least now you've got, although there's no technical window in that room, yeah. you can see outside and you got space and there's a TV. And oh you can yeah, lounge you know, boot. the way you put it, I, you know, I, I have a cush cush life in there, man. I got <laughs> I got HD TV. I watched both. I watched both Final Four games. I had two meals. I did a hundred push-ups. I mean, I had a whole day in there. That's it was a whole day. It was a whole day. All right, well, Preston's going to do hit or love it for us coming up at 1030 in the second hour, and uh, we will continue talking a little bit of Blazers here. Blazers fell to the Nuggets on Friday, and they have another game against them today. Final score was 119-110 on Friday. They play again today, 6 o'clock tip. Blazers are a 7.5-point favorite at home, but uh, really, really big game for the Blazers that they could not win. Now, it doesn't mean too much. But what it means most likely is we now know they will play the Jazz in some way, shape, or form in the first round of the playoffs. I think you still want that home court advantage. I know in a 4-5 series, you're pretty closely matched, and sometimes home court, I've heard people argue that you want to go home second just based on switching momentum if you need to. But I am not one of those people. I view home court as very important, and especially for a team like Portland who's very good at home and is known for being really good at home. As long as they get CJ back, I think you want home court advantage no matter what because it gives you the best chance to win a series against anybody, including the Jazz. Uh, I don't think the Blazers are the type of team that wants to start this series on the road. Like, they need that home court advantage. The Blazers have one of the best home court advantages in all of the NBA. And so you really want to get your crowd behind you early, and that might, you know, jolt some additional energy, especially because – you're going to be without Nurkic. You're probably going to be without CJ for everything. I don't. I haven't seen anything. I know he's probable for tonight's game. Is that right? Ye- oh, I didn't see that. I'll, I'll double check. Yeah, but. I saw CJ's probable, and also the Nuggets are resting a couple of our best players. I think. So if that's, you're, that's if, why Portland's favored. So if you're probable, I could see CJ getting out there for a couple minutes or anything, but maybe like a 15 minute. Yeah, I mean, just just kind of see how how his knee does and see how it responds to some actual in-game action, but I would be okay if CJ didn't play until the playoffs, you know, just to make sure that, you know, he was all the way rested and had all the the rest that he kind of needed. But There you go. So Millsap, Jokic, and Jamal Murray resting. That's a pretty well, that's, big, that's that's a pretty nice. big deal. You I know, didn't see a, that, yeah. That's a, that's a, and when you're – that's the luxury of being, you know, the two-seed at this point. You know, now that you're Denver, you can just go ahead and kind of take the next few games. Yeah, I think they next thought few games off. Yeah, I think they thought they were they were going to try to be there with Golden State for the one seed and then Golden State beat them down a couple times recently and uh and then Golden State pulled it. I think they're ahead by I don't have the standings in front of me, but a couple games enough for for Denver to to want to rest their players. The 
the Nuggets went through a, law, a losing four of six stretch, which kind of took them out of that race. They are two games back of Golden State at this point, who was eight and two of their last ten. So uh, we'll get to the resting players in the next segment. I think it's interesting, and I saw Dwight James talking about it on Twitter, and I, it caused quite a stir last night on Twitter. But going into a Jazz series, home court advantage or not, CJ being back, are you at all confident without Nurkic that they can make this an interesting series or, hell, even win the series? Yes. Because I think a lot of fans, when Nurkic went down, went, well, there's the season. Can't win a series without him. You've played a pretty weak schedule, granted, but you've played well without him thus far. And as Cantor's played well offensively, and Zach Collins has been able to fill some of the defensive hole that, that Nurkic has left. I mean, you're going to have to go up against Gobert, and that's going to be tough against uh, Ennis Cantor in the middle, and Donovan Mitchell can take over a game. But I, I do think that this Jazz series is winnable for the Blazers. It's not going to be easy, of course, but it's, I think it's winnable. No, I, th I think it's definitely winnable. I, so far, man, Ennis Cantor has played really, really well in Nurkic's absence. Except Even, for defense. Ex except for defense, <laughs> but, I mean, we we, we can't – you know, it's, it's hard just, to you, find. You lost a lot of defense with Nurkic. You did lose a lot of defense from Nurkic, but you also might have gained more offense through with without Nurkic. You know, so you're looking at a guy. Is just look at Cantor's last five games: 24, 21, 20, 20, 14. Like he's out there doing work every night. You know, uh, eight rebounds, 15, 11, 15, seven. So he's out there putting up uh, really good numbers for somebody who's just kind of filling in for Nurkic being gone. Man, are you going to be – is he the defensive stopper that Nurkic is? No, but I'll take a little more offense if it means that. And if you get CJ back all of a sudden, man, now you've got an additional – and, I mean, I'm not sure what CJ's knee looks like right now, but if he can come back and give you that 17 to, to 20 that we're used to seeing from him, to you know, you, you've got a great chance to move forward. I think the Blazers have more firepower guys that can score than Utah does. I think CJ's back now – because he's ready to be back now. I don't think they would risk it bringing him back with three games to go. No. If he wasn't ready to be back, Damian Lillard said, if you remember in the press conference after, I think it was a game or two after he got hurt, he goes, I'm just preparing for him not to be back until the playoffs. And I think that's what we all thought. It was a three to six week injury from what we had read, whatever weird muscle he, he strained in his knee. And it seems to be on the, I mean, we're, we're at about that three week mark. We're getting close to that three week mark. So it seems about the right time. If it was a mild strain to be able to do it. And I just don't think you would risk it at this point, especially if the nuggets are resting everybody. I don't think you would risk it in this game. If he wasn't truly healthy and ready to go, Terry Stotts did say he wanted to give him a game or two to clear the rust off. And maybe that's important for CJ. Maybe he couldn't just come in cold in the first playoff game and expect to make a big impact. And they might want to warm him into it, especially with, the Lakers and Kings, two very winnable games as the last two in the season. So uh, he bet he's probably 100% or very close to it to be coming back in this game tonight. And, I mean, I'm with you on the Jazz series, too. It, it looks on paper like a series that Portland should have some success in because you're right. They, they do seem to have better playmakers than Utah does, but there's something about Utah when they play Portland, and some of it was Nurkic and the, the controversy that he kind of created, but the games are always close. They're always well defended, uh, and it seems to be more low scoring sometimes. And I'm just not ready to give a Blazers a, that much of a chance without Nurkish to win a playoff series. Because when you see a team six, five, six, seven times in a series in a row, you can learn the tendencies of the backup players, and the bench maybe becomes a little bit less impactful, and maybe the starters become a little bit less impactful when you learn some of their tendencies. 
Because in the regular NBA season, you're traveling every day. You're playing a different team every day. There's not a lot of time to practice and prep for every team. That's not the case anymore. So, I mean, it works both ways. Blazers will be able to prep for the Jazz, too. But we saw last year with the Pelican series just how much that affected Portland. And I just I think it's a winnable series, but I'm still very, very worried without Nurk that they can actually win it. And I think last year as Blazer fans, we really undervalued how good Anthony Davis really was. I think they we undervalued, really undervalued Drew Holiday, and nobody thought that he was that good. Everybody That's thought, the guy we really undervalued. Yeah, everybody yeah. thought Rondo was over the hill. You know, uh, was it Miritich? Was that was that the other guy? Yeah, yeah. So all these guys, though, you know, outside of um, Anthony Davis were kind of these castaways. And then you had this big star in the middle that just did what he was, whatever he wanted to do. But getting beat up by those guys, I think that was the, the big thing. Well, the Blazers actually played Donovan Mitchell very well. Donovan Mitchell against the Blazers averages 20 points, uh, which is under his season average of 23. And But he gets one more assist than he's used to getting otherwise. So he, play, he plays – they play Donovan Mitchell pretty well. If I'm worried about Gobert. The, I'm worried you, about I'm Gobert. I'm worried about Gobert too, but not really because I think Gobert is going to have his hands full trying to cover three or two different, you know, Blazer centers at, at, at any point. So And then if you throw in Myers in there, which is incredibly plausible because that means you pull Gobert all the way away from – the key and let Myers kind of shoot from out there or maybe just drive right past him. So you got a few different looks. I don't want against Myers somebody. driving the basketball. You don't want Myers driving, <laughs> but at least it, oh, he, he gives you an He stretches the floor, so he gives you an opportunity to open things up because of his three-point shooting. And if you're Gobert, you have to respect it. You know, So I think I, I definitely like the Blazers' chances against Utah um, in the first round. The, so The thing that's interesting about the Jazz is their kind of fake toughness, if you will, or real toughness, however you want to look at it, in that they're one of those defensive teams that I think sometimes, I don't know if it's, if you're not a good shooting team, it kind of gets it in your own head or whatever the case is, but I mean, obviously they have Ingles, but, and and I think Corver, but he doesn't play a ton, but, um, you know, they're a team that, that is about that life. They would be down to fight. And I think if Nurkic was there, I think he'd be down to engage in that too. Now, I don't know who the Blazers quote-unquote tough guy is since Nurkic is out or if they even really have one maybe Zach Collins or at least oh yeah Zach Collins is about that life very angry he just he just doesn't play enough to 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 have that out there Blazers have a team of choir boys is it Damian Lillard is he the tough guy no well no I think I I think he's truly tough but he's not gonna fight you know like no everyone knows Dame's from Oakland he's one of the best players in the world they're like we're, we're not fighting that guy they have too much respect for him, but it, it, it takes the level of player like a Zach Collins where you're young and unproven or maybe, you know, the kind of player uh, who's an, another good example, I guess maybe like a Grayson Allen, but they have a, they have a couple different players where I'm like, that guy would probably get in the fight. And Joe Ingles is an irritant. Oh, like, Joe Ingles is Joe too. Ingles yes. Is one of those guys that just, he just gets, he has a face that says punch me. You know, Are you just, irritated because he looks like a 45-year-old male? Prob- probably, male. and he can hoop way better than me, man. So, yes, there might be a little resentment towards him. But, no, he's one of those guys that just – he's Bruce Bowen. He gets under your skin. He just continues to poke and continues to talk and continues to clap, and he's one of those guys that just – he's he, he can get you off your game, man. Uh, hopefully that's where guys like Rodney Hood and some of those other dudes are able to come in and, and play through that. Got a couple of texts in the Better You Today text line, which we'll get to next. Plus, seeing the Nuggets rest their players, should the Blazers have rested or rest some of their guys going into the final few games of the season, even if it means losing home court? That is next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. 
This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 947 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad and Preston with you until 11 o'clock today. Got a little bit of baseball coming up next hour. Not ex- uh, specifically about what's going on in baseball, but more about the contract situation. And curious what Rashad thinks about it. I know he's not a huge baseball guy, but it is. Show me the money. Very, very interesting stuff. Plus, hate it or love it coming up next hour. Remember, you can catch anything that you missed here on the Les Shop Tires podcast on 1080thefan.com. And you can text us on the Better You Today text line at 55305. P1 Dustin texts, I have no confidence that they can win a series. I'll quote the great Jim Morris Sr. I just hope we can win a game. Jazz and six. I think a lot. I think it's going to be a very interesting split between Blazer fans going into the playoffs. Yeah, and remember, the Jazz series is not 100% set. It just appears the most likely, very, very likely at this point. And Utah's won seven games in a row, by the way. So they are only one game behind the Blazers. In Playing the, good basketball in the at the right season. time. But... I think you're going to see a huge split in Blazer fans between those who have really high optimism and frankly, maybe some blind faith that the Blazers can win. And those who, I don't know if it's the more realistic Blazer fans, but those who have suffered enough at the hands of their own team and are not expecting a lot based on another injury to another important player going into another playoff series, which they have seen so many times. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that becomes different or changes during the playoff series when it happens, because usually everyone's just like, yeah, we could do this. Let's go. You know, everyone seems to be on the same page and that's not going to be the case this year. No, it's, it's, and you know what, man, I totally understand why Dustin would say jazz and six, the same optimism that blazer fan had last year going into new Orleans and man, blazers in five blazers in six. And then they were embarrassed in four games. All four games were really embarrassed. And so, I could totally understand where where Dustin is coming from as far as not having any confidence in what this team can do. Something about this team feels different, though. Something about this team feels a little more buttoned up, a little tougher than we're used to seeing. You know what I mean? Like, I think it had been easy for this team to wilt after CJ went down. They didn't. They played through it. Other guys stepped in. With an easy kind of, schedule, but with yes. The, you know, with an easier schedule, but you play who's in front of you. There's nothing you can do. Mind you, last year when the Blazers went on that amazing 13-game win streak – they played a lot of teams that weren't in the playoffs and in, in between there, but you can only play kind of who's in front of you. You look at Nurkic going down and you say, well, your season's over. Well, truth is, Cantor's been a, a great, you know, a way to fill in. Is, is he giving you everything that your starter gave you? Absolutely not. But he's not a he's not a liability on offense. And defensively, yes, but do you expect Gobert to really wow you offensively? I don't. Uh, I mean, wow, you know, but he is a very consistent finisher. He's great around the basket. He's I saw great, you know. I saw that he finishes 73% of his shots within a certain radius of the rim, which is very high yes. for big men. So yes, but do you good. expect him to make a move and and, and spin past uh, Kant? I don't. You know, I don't I don't think Gobert is that, that type of guy. But is, I don't expect that necessarily, but I do I do expect a little bit of a, a bodying down, being able to get closer to the rim and just getting a good hook shot to go in because – Cantor has tried on defense. I guess that's the thing that we can say is, although he's not good at defense and we have learned that quite quickly, he has tried. He is trying. He does. He puts effort forth out there and he tries on defense. He will body up, but he he just gets pushed back so much. He does. And that's where having a guy like Zach Collins, you know, comes in because he is a much better defender. And while he's might be slight, man, Zach Collins is much stronger than he actually looks. So 
there's a guy that, that that's another option for you as far as trying to make sure Gobert doesn't. Because I'm not as concerned with um, what's it, Fair, Derek Favors. Like Derek Favors has never concerned me. You know, there was a time he was supposed to be really, really good, but that was a long time ago. Uh, Jay Crowder is a guy that you have to watch because he can come in and give you a, a lot of you know big tough buckets. You know, at that point, that's probably the only other guy on that team I would say. You know what? He could be a problem because we talk. You talk about toughness. That Who's was that tough guy. That, that was the guy who I was looking yeah. for. Is Jay Crowder? He's kind of fake tough sometimes, but he's a tough guy. I but guess still, too. you don't know. I don't think anybody on the Blazers wants it with Jay Crowder. Like they can, they can he, and say Jay oh, Crowder's nobody about wants that any, life. Any, no, nobody wants any smoke <laughs> with him. That's for sure. The, he's he's going to mix it up. I do. I do want to get to this before we run out of time. The the resting players thing. I saw this on Twitter. Dwight James put it out asking the question, and it got a lot of response on Twitter. And the the basic premise of the question was, should the Blazers have been or should they rest Damian Lillard going into these final few games, even if it comes at the cost of home court advantage and they slip to the five seed and play the Jazz in Salt Lake City first? And there's kind of two angles to look at this. The one angle is every top team in the West, no matter who they are, and hell, even some of the ones at the lower end of the West, have spent time, and the East, spent time resting their players this regular season. We've seen it across the board. Second game of a back-to-back, you know, this blank player is not playing tonight due to rest, right? We saw it. We've seen it across the board. The Blazers never have done that, and it, it doesn't seem like Damian Lillard would accept that, first of all, and maybe it's he just says, no, I'm playing. But he he has appeared a bit a bit more tired here at the end of the season. He's leaving a lot of three-point shots short. Uh, just seems a little bit less energetic than normal on defense. So I wonder if maybe the Blazers should have done that. But then the other side of it is without Damian Lillard, the Blazers aren't winning a game. So if you rest him, you're losing. You're for sure losing. So up to this point, you're the the three star, the four seed, because Damian Lillard has been playing every single game. If you rested him a couple of times, you might not even be in the four spot right now. So it that's kind of the way to look at it, I, I think. I totally agree with you. You can't, you can't rest Damian Lillard. You can't. Unfortunately, the one thing about the Blazers – even with CJ on the floor, is unlike these other teams, the, these top four teams in the West, man, all these guys have multiple superstars. So, yeah, I can rest Steph for a couple nights out of the out of the week, you know, if I need to, because I have KD, Clay, uh, and Boogie still out there. You know, if you're Houston, yeah, I can rest James Harden tonight. Or I can go ahead and not play Chris Paul just because we want to save him for the playoffs. If you're OKC, you know what, Paul George, you take tonight off, and Westbrook, you take tomorrow off. We can... The, the Blazers can't do that. I mean, are we – I know CJ's had some amazing games this year where he scored 30-plus, you know, a few times, triple-double, all that. But do you expect that from CJ if 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 somebody is out? You know, do you really expect a win in between there? Because I think Golden OKC can win without Westbrook on the floor or without Paul George on the floor. They have a game-changing superstar on their team. I think Houston can win with – we've seen Houston win without James Harden on the floor. We've seen them win without Chris Paul on the floor. They can do that. The same with Golden State. The Blazers aren't winning anything, and we know this. We can all say this for sure without Damian Lillard on the floor. And this is a season when they have the best depth that they've had in a very, very long time. Their bench is trustworthy, more so than it has been. Rodney Hood has stepped up. We talked about Cantor, although he's now the starter. Seth Curry, although he was hurt last game, resting a sore left tibia. He's been great off the bench. Lehman has been pretty pretty good throughout. Well, he's been very good the whole season. He's been pretty good lately off the bench. So I mean, you you do have a trustworthy bench. You have a, you have a better team, more so that you maybe you could you could accept resting Lillard, but 
I like I said in the last segment, I just think home court is that much more important for this team. I know it didn't matter last year against the the Pelicans. I think that was a little bit of an uh, anomaly of a series because as you talked about, a lot of people overlooked their their good players and how they were bad matches for the Blazers. So I think it's important, and in a series that on paper does look winnable, you want that advantage of playing all four of your games at home, not just three. So I would not rest them. If you're playing the Lakers and maybe you want to limit his minutes a lot if you're up big in the second quarter, second or third quarter and you just want to pull him from the rest of the game, feel free, right? Do the same thing with CJ if you want. But remember, he's also missed some games with injury this year. So, I mean, although it's injury rehab, it does count as a little bit of a rest. Yeah, so, you know, your both legs aren't, you know, out there getting worked out right now. Right now for CJ, he's just getting rehab and everything, but his body is able to rest. Any nicks that he might have had, ribs and elbows and all those things, those get to rest as well. All right, let's break. Next hour, we got Hater Love It. We got a little bit of baseball talk plus more here on Sports Sunday on The Fan.